This is Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Sinell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hello, thanks for joining us here on Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford here with my co-host, Mark Sinell. Hi, Mark. Good morning. So today we get to talk to Willie Hicks, CTO of Dynatrace Public Sector, on the very hot topic of artificial intelligence. And Willie is going to unpack what AI really is and really isn't. Apparently, I will not be having an in-home version of Star Trek's data to do light chores anytime soon. Spoiler alert. Um, But we also get to get into the nuances of AI versus ML, how the government is developing and using AI. And Willie is even going to tackle the recent National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence final report. He's going to share his biggest takeaways from that 800-page report. So uh, that's going to save us from actually having to read anything, Mark. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, we're going to discuss how he has seen industry and government partner in AI, the wins, the losses, and how we can do better. Welcome to Tech Transforms, Willie. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure. Yeah, Good I should morning, say Willie. I should say welcome back because Willie, um, you we've co-hosted together before. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. So, how are you doing, Willie? I'm doing very well this morning. How are you? I'm good. Mark, Willie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> all right, we're all good. Let's just get to the point here. So, I want to go straight to. Um, to our topic of the day and and just have you level set us on AI, Willie. Define it, what we're talking about here. Okay, well, um, so when, when I think about it and talk to people about AI, um, often, you know, I get the question just, you know, what is AI? And we can we can talk about it from like the strict definition of AI. You know, if you wanted me to rattle off the, the Oxford English kind of dictionary version of it, um, you know, it is kind of the theory um, and development of, of security systems, or excuse me, computer systems that can perform, you know, tasks, normal tasks that humans would do. So it's, it's artificial intelligence. But, you know, in reality, AI is more than that definition. Um, I would say that most people have heard or um, kind of directly experience AI and often they, in one fashion or another, and they don't even realize it. Um, You know, every time you call into um, Amazon or, you know, some company to to, um, chat about a product that didn't arrive, or you're calling to pay a bill, uh, you'll get an automated chat bot or an automated uh, service. A lot of times that it asks you to, to kind of speak to it. Um, kind of in a natural language. And it is processing that information and giving you back some type of feedback. That's a very task-oriented um, type AI that you're interacting with. So we we actually interact with AI all the time. And we, that's kind of growing day in and day out. You, If you've got devices, smart speakers in your home, 
you're you're interacting with a, a type of AI. If you are using um, uh, a lot of systems um, today on computers that are trying to keep you from um, gaming a, um, the system, like they're they're getting like they're getting a lot more complex. The captures and things like that are getting more complex to try to understand when other bots are trying to get into the system. So all of these these types of systems are are some types of AI now. We'll, we'll get into this later. There are different types of AI. There's kind of what you were just talking about, data. Um, and I would, I would love to have data in my house <laughs> or Jarvis or um, not Skynet, but, you know, one of those uh, AIs that is more general purpose that don't exist. I mean, those those types of AI don't exist today, um, except in science fiction. Not really, at least not not, <laughs> not that we know of. If, if they're in a secret lab somewhere, uh, we don't know about it. They probably do in Bill Gates's house. But, yeah, uh, see? yeah. But but Willie, it seems like the 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 use of the term AI is is all over the place. And so everybody uses it pretty ubiquitously, but it means so many different things based on the description that you just laid out. It's 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 literally, you know, the spectrum is massive. And, right. and but people people use the term, it's saying it sounds like artificial intelligence to mean just about any of that, right? Right, right. And and, and also they, they misuse terms a lot of times too. Like, you know, some people say uh think like machine learning is AI, or you know, they'll think that um, you know, a lot of people think that um uh, AI means uh, AI. I think a lot of sci-fi and a lot of what you see on TV has driven what people think about AI. Uh, but there is really more of a practical side of AI. And the funny thing is, AI is becoming really more. What was I find interesting is becoming many really more ubiquitous. It, it's AI yeah. uh, is being embedded in systems. There are now uh, manufacturers chips that are really being designed to to uh, leverage AI um, kind of at the edge. So you, like I said, the smart speaker is one way, but a lot of times are you, you'll interact with devices in buildings. You might not even inter- realize it, but in the back end, AI is processing and understanding what that user is doing, how to kind of respond back to the user, how to feed data and, and capture that data to, you know, for marketing purposes and all other sorts of things. So AI is really ubiquitous, but people kind of, you know, misunderstand what it really is. So, so, so let's so let's break this down into a practical sense then, Willie. Mm-hmm. How are you seeing artificial intelligence being used? And let's just use for uh, uh, this example. How is it? How do you see it being used in military agencies or across the DoD? And 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 then I'll just tack on to that on top of it. how how do you uh, or what role do you see industry playing in that mission? So. Uh, okay, so two parts there. How do I see yeah. AI being used in the military? Um, so, or DOD so, in general, maybe. DOD in general. <laughs> so kind of that, it's funny because uh, I, I, was, I was just thinking about this recently for another talk. And um, most people think, when they think of the military, they think warfare. Um, rightly so. I mean, I right. think... 
I think the military is really more about peacekeeping. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, we, we right. don't want to go to war, but um, a lot of times we are thinking about it from a war platform standpoint. So, uh, again, going back to sci-fi like uh, Skynet kind of thing, you know, and, and people have these these fears that uh, AI is going to kind of uh, take over. Um, uh, military systems and all, but the military is actually using the AI, uh, using AI in a lot of different, uh, more practical um, applications. Things that you see in industry, you know, um, uh, business systems, you know, uh, okay. data, data uh, analytics, you know, big data analytics, and not talking about just from a, a, a warfare standpoint, but like the military is a massive organization. Logistical. Logistical stuff, yeah. Yeah, logistical. (laughs) You think about transport. You think about having to move um, um, thousands of people at a moment's notice, you know, maybe overseas. Um, You're transporting equipment, heavy equipment and so forth. The maintenance of that equipment. All of these things uh, take a lot of uh, um, either manpower to, to maintain, or if you use AI, um, which the military is actually investing a lot of time and, and resources into figuring out how to, you know, better maintain their fleet, how to um, predictive, uh, do predictive analytics on their fleet. When do I need to change? Instead of like constant rotation of maintenance, having more smart um, systems that are decision systems helping them say, you need to replace this part now based on X, Y, and Z. And, it, and and systems are becoming more explainable for the military to understand, okay, this is why I'm giving you this decision. Um, also, you will see this in things like the medical field, battlefield yeah. medicine. Um, also, not non-battlefield medicine, I mean, conventional medicine for our, our veterans in the VA. Uh, AI is, is being implemented in these places in a lot of different ways. A lot of cool things that are, you know, may not be here today, but things that I, I have seen and read about and talked to others about, like, uh, you know, th- this is kind of more futuristic, but, you know, having drones that have AI built into them that could do um, dangerous tasks that, you know, you would have to use a person for, you know, um, in the past. Like, let's say you had a a soldier in the field and you had to extract that soldier in the middle of combat. If you could send a drone out or something that could actually go pull that soldier back without endangering another soldier. So I went to a, uh, I went to a, a dinner recently and was listening to the CIO of the Navy talk about this question. Mm-hmm. And he brought up the example because it, it made me think of it because you were talking about drugs. Mm-hmm. It made me think about uh, that because he said the thing that popped out in his mind was remember uh, the videos of the drone on Mars that, yep. that, that, he, that we saw. He said, yep. you know, it's like not take, take, he said, I, I mean, I don't know what the, the gap in communication is between earth to mars but he said it was like nine minutes or something or maybe it yep, was yep, 19 minutes right. or something like that he said that that they're using artificial intelligence to extrapolate out that gap so a drone doesn't crash into the planet you know wait wait, can, wait what does that mean extrapolate out that gap well that that was my interpretation but like you know, to to leverage GPS mapping and things like that. So if a drone is flying across yeah. uh, the landscape to be able to see that there's uh, objects coming or how to navigate yeah. terrain and, and things like that or weather conditions and stuff like that. 
And NASA, you know, again, granted, we we're talking about military applications. And there was a second part of your question, um, Mark, I'll have to get back it was, to it. The second part was uh, uh, how's industry supporting. impacting, yeah, supporting that mission. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me let me get right back to that because, you know, that that is actually a very interesting point um, and, and something that's fascinating. I, I, I've got two young kids and we, uh, we always love to watch the science, uh, like, you know, things from NASA and videos from NASA. And, and they watch over and over again that, that Mars landing. And um, I don't, again, I don't know if people recognize and appreciate the engineering and the science that went into doing something like that to Mark's point. Uh, there, there, is, there is a physical limitation of how fast, you know, we can send a signal between a, the Earth and Mars. I mean, there's the, light, the speed of light and you can, only, you can only send the signal so fast. So the, uh, by the time we sent a signal to, if we're trying to remotely control that, that lander, by the time we sent, got the first signal back to the lander, it would have crashed into the planet. So, you know, to, to maneuver and land um, a, a, a probe like that, you have to do it automatically. Uh, or or um, a, uh, it has to be AI-driven. It has to be a, a more computer-driven system. And what's fascinating about that is that, to your point, Mark, it was using multiple, multiple different sensors. I, I don't know the number, the exact number, but if you think about it, it had to calculate from the moment of entry into the planet its speed, its velocity, its position. It had to have cameras to see where it was going to land. And this is the fascinating thing, too, is that it automatically, um, it could correct for itself in flight. It could reach, the, it knew where it reached the point where it needed to deploy its uh, heat shield, release it. It then lowers itself. It continues down until it gets to a point where it can start scanning the landscape. And this is where AI really starts to come in because it has a map of where it wants to land, where humans wanted to land, it can then start looking for, based on criteria, where's the best place for me to set down? Would you, then, consider, would you consider like what, what pilots, I don't know, 25 years ago were using autopilot right. to, to land? Uh, a very rudimentary or an early stage artificial intelligence? Oh my gosh. It, 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 I don't even know if I would put it in the same vein as, as what the AI is doing today. Okay. Um, but you know, it would be that, that would be the equivalent of, you know, um, in the early eighties, I used to have this, uh, what it was assignment, um, this a little robot that you could program and it was kind of cool. You could talk to it. You could program it. It'll walk around, bring you a little drink or something. Um, you couldn't call that AI. You programmed it to do something. Right. 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 But it's okay. kind of the same equivalent. So back to okay. the NASA, how how much of industry is part of that AI engine that's making all of this work? Um, I, I think uh, uh, there is a lot of industry. Now, first of all, I, I will say JPL. Um, uh, this is truly a partnership because what I've learned over the years, especially working with NASA, um, places like JPL, working with the Navy, a lot of this technology that we're utilizing today, it, it starts in the it, it starts as military projects a lot of times or mm -hmm. or NASA driven because these are massive um, programs to kind of get off the ground to research takes a lot of money. In early days, when the industry doesn't see, um, you know, truly see uh, a revenue stream out of that or benefit, they're they're not investing that kind of money. But the government is going to invest in that, especially if it's about na around national security and um, other other um, topics. So you'll see early on AI 
being invested in by places like DARPA, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Defense uh, Research Agencies. You see this at places like NASA and JPL. Um, people also probably don't realize AI is not something that's new. AI is not something people think about AI and they think about it in the last probably 10 years, five years, um, just because of how technology moves today. Things happen so quickly. Those advances, people are like, oh, yeah, AI has only probably been around five or 10 years. No, AI has been, honestly, the rudimentary thoughts around AI go back to the 1800s, I mean, or like 1830s. Um, And it was only um, probably until the 1950s that some practical applications could start being conceived, but having the technology to conceive some of these more practical applications. Now, only in the last few years do we have the capability to really exploit AI. But this has been this has been a topic that's been around for a long time. Now, the question around industry, though, is that this kind of gets started and and gets you know funded and in research by um, by education, by higher education, by um, uh, some by private sector, but a lot by DARPA and JPL and some of these um, government institutes. And then what will happen is, like you, you see today, AI starts to become really practical. There starts to be a lot of applications where um, it could help cut costs in business. It could help, you know, save um, resources, X, Y, and Z, a lot of uh, practical applications. Then industry gets involved and they really started put, um, funding and putting money into research and into development. So now we've taken that catalyst, I think that's been started by often by um, the military, excuse me, about by the government, and now industry is taking over and really kind of taking it to the next level. And then the interaction begins because now industry and government can really partner together. Um, government can help with a lot of the heavy research and what they've done already. Industry can take what they've done and make practical applications because the, the industry is really good at taking making practical applications. And, yeah. and making systems that can, you know, do very specific tasks. And those tasks and applications are usually things that the government needs. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And industry, I mean, typically, or at least we think that they can move, they can iterate a lot faster. Partially because we're, industry's not iterating on a fighter jet, right? So a fighter jet, you're not going to, do 50 to Tracy Bannon's point, our guest from MITRE a few weeks ago, you know, there's a reason that you're mm-hmm. not deploying code 50 times a day to a fighter jet. Right. But in industry, that's, you know, we're not working on those things necessarily. Although no, sometimes. No. But but we're also one thing that industry's doing though is that they're they're making um, granted you're not deploying to a fighter jet fifty times a day but what industry is doing is that with every iteration with every advancement we're making this we're making this process better mm-hmm. we're making it more stable we're making you know these iterations not just faster but each iteration becomes uh you know a little bit shorter but also um, less error prone. And so over time, you will start to get, um, you'll start to be able, I think, to have, um, even in the military, because you see this today with software factories and so forth, they're starting to embrace some of these ideas around agile development, around being able to deploy faster, because we uh, honestly, it becomes our, it's in our best interest. It becomes national security um, um, consideration then, because we have adversaries that are constantly, you know, 
uh, attacking us from cyberspace, constantly attacking us, um, not just from a military standpoint, but from our national infrastructure. And these aren't just state actors all the time. These are proxies that may be working for state actors. So, you know, we have to be able to move as fast as a lot of those actors as well. So I think over time, you might not, again, be deploying to, you know, a, um, and you have no need to deploy to a fighter, you know, that that many times. But, you know, I've heard of cases where you, you do have um, newer, more modern technology, even in fighters, like, you know, you hear about, you know, containerization and, you know, having modular code. Um, there are some subsystems that, you know, I would imagine have that type of capability so they can quickly deploy and upgrade a system if they need to based on the threat. So So you you mentioned something in in your answer right there that made me think of this. So you you mentioned something that made me think of machine learning. Mm -hmm. How do you delineate between what people consider machine learning and artificial intelligence? So let me just start off by saying that, you know, oftentimes um, I will get asked, you know, people will equate, I'll just put it this way, people will equate uh, AI and ML. Um, And and the short answer is they're not the same thing at all. Uh, So anybody who thinks that, you know, AI and ML aren't the same thing, but also feel, understand that's common, that's a a common misconception. Well, Uh, I thought that's how AI became, like, I thought that's how AI did its thing was through machine learning. Like it was another term to say what it's it's what it was doing. Think of ML as a subdiscipline of AI. It's just one way you can, you can, um, you can just to do AI as as you might say it, but you know, ML is just a a subdiscipline. It is not artificial intelligence itself. AI, think of AI as just much more of a generic, um, I should say generic general term. Um, or concept that really kind of that definition I gave earlier um, is just is more that generic high level general term that talks about machines performing complex, you know, tasks. ML machine learning is an aspect of or a um, a sub-discipline of, of AI. And that's how you can conduct uh, machine learning is one way you can you can get to AI as it mm. were. So, um, so so that's really the difference. And, you know, if you think about it, um, there is machine learning and generally with machine learning, you're going to have, you know, you you use different types of algorithms, different types of, of, um, of, of methods to in in different circumstances, like machine learning um, is good at certain types of tasks, really good at certain types of tasks. It might not be so good at tasks that need to be, um, uh, let's say, tasks that are um, on data sets that are constantly changing, that are changing really fast, really rapidly, and you need to be able to respond too quickly. Machine learning takes time. You know, it takes a lot more time to learn the system to learn the data sets to also start to um, feed back good answers, good data from um, those data sets. Also, it takes uh, sometimes it takes interactions from humans to help augment what the machine learning algorithms are doing. So machine learning might be good for some applications, maybe not so good for others. Does machine learning eventually lead to AI or not necessarily? So machine learning, again, it, it would lead to, um, um, yes, it, it would lead to more of like a task-based, a, a type of AI. So like it would lead to um, 
uh, a type of artificial intelligence. It, it is it is a, a technique for getting to um, a type of artificial intelligence. So, all right, we, let's get to our tech talk questions. Mark, you want to ask the first one? Willie, what do you think the next big leap in tech's going to be? So, if we can stay on the 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 vein of of AI, um, I would say I, I don't know when it's going to happen, um, but I think one big leap that I'm waiting for that I'm I'm looking towards is, um, and, and this is getting more nerdy, but I was just reading about this lately: quantum quantum computing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that. Um, you know, there is investment in that now. People, that is a very technical. Um, th- that's a very technical discussion, and I won't even because I, I don't know, understand that the the half of it. But let's just put it this way: if if we are able to um, really take advantage of of just say the um, quantum computing, which think about quantum computing as using the most fundamental parts of our universe, you know, getting down to past the atom, getting down to, you know, getting to a very, um, very rudimentary part of our, 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 the fabric of this universe. If you start looking at what are called quantum states, um, there is this idea that uh, something can be in multiple positions. It could be in multiple places at one time. Kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it, it, it can be in something called superposition. And so what, what um, my understanding is, is that using the fact that these, these, these you, you can have this, this idea of superposition and basically until you observe it, it, it doesn't make a decision on what it's going to be until it's observed. You can use this, and and there's a lot of math and science behind it that I I don't even pretend to understand, but you can use that to do very, very, very complex calculations very quickly. Because with with computer, with classical computers today, you have ones and zeros. Everybody understands binary, pretty much. You know, we we use ones and zeros to, let's just say, um, represent on and off. Well, in quantum computing, now you can have this indeterminate state. So basically, you can have more than just on and off. And with that, you can take and make computations that could take, let's say, a computation that might take 100 years to to complete. Let's say cracking some kind of code might be done in a few minutes because they can utilize this this um, quantum state to to really make these cal- speed these calculations up. What about AI quantum encryption? Use, a, what about uh, quantum encryption? encryption there, Willie? What's that? What about quantum, quantum encryption? Quantum encryption that's that that's a, you know, that's way so we have to combat all these things because if if we get to a point where quantum um quantum computing is actually practical and 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 um can be done at a large scale all of our codes become out, are out the door. So okay, there have man, to be other ways. I just heard you talk about magic, the same thing in two places at one time, and you went into the matrix. This yes, is awesome. That's, <laughs> that's, that, that's what I'm looking for because I would lo- I don't want to see all of our codes crack, but there is, there is a quantum computing will open up a wealth of, of re- uh, a whole nother realm of research and things that we can do uh, with computers. Okay, um, so that, 
And that introduces the next question. I think you you mentioned that you're reading stuff about quantum computing. So so tell so give us some titles of movies or books or whatever you're you're reading that's inspiring this full nerd out. Oh, I well when I read outside of, you know, I I read a lot of papers and and research, but I think at the end of the day when I when I want to relax, I I just read sci-fi. I, I'm a I'm an old school nerd like that. So what's your favorite? Uh, I, um, right now I've gone back and I'm reading um, a a series of books. I, I I think you've probably heard of. Um, I don't know. Well, have you heard of found the Foundation series? No. So that is a series of books, and I haven't read it um, in years. It's Isaac Asimov. Um, oh. one of my, one of my favorites. Okay. So, um, I started going back and reading some of those books because there's a new TV uh, series that's supposed to be coming out. Um, I yes. think maybe Apple. Yeah. Like this month. Yeah. The foundation series. So yeah. I always want to read the books before I watch the, the TV show and I haven't read them in so long. So I'm going back and rereading some of the foundation series. Hey, you know what? Imagination art. That is where this stuff that we have practical application of now the technology that's where it's born that's where it all gets yeah yeah it does it really does i i I was it's funny when i was a kid i I grew up on the old uh, on the original star trek the real (laughs) star trek absolutely And, and, and i remember um, always building, like making these, these fake flip communicators, or I, my mom <laughs> bought me one. And, and then for me, it was just all, it was like, this will never happen. It'd be so cool. I could just flip it open. And cause then my, we, we had an old rotary phone. I can remember my mom had a cord wireless for us was a cord that went all the way across the kitchen. Yep. And, and, and that cord was by the time she got rid of it, it was stretched. Like it go halfway across the house. <laughs> but, um, but now we have communicators. We have, flip. yes, we do. Yeah. Well, well yes, we have, we We've taken it to the next level with smartphones. So, Willie, speaking of fake communicators, what's your what's your new favorite gadget or app? Oh, geez. New favorite gadget or app. I will tell you what I'm looking for. Okay, so um, not endorsing any products, uh, <laughs> uh, but but um, I am I'm looking at replacing my computer um, and I'm looking at the new, I think there's a lot of rumor that there's a new Mac mini coming out that's going to use uh, the new M1X processor. And so I'm actually holding it. I was going to buy a Mac mini within the M1 processor because it really performs outstandingly well. And um, what I'm holding out for is the October, they're supposedly going to release the M1X. And that's what my my next gadget is going to be, a new Mac mini. Yeah. All right, what's on your technology wish list? If you could wave your magic wand, go to your foundation book series, what's the one thing out of that series that you would like have right now? If I could do anything? Yeah. Um, oh, geez, I, I, I would go with flat, faster than light travel, but that's... A, that's, a, that's Amen, a brother. <laughs> I, I like to like travel across the universe, but... Um, I'm with you. I'm the beam me up, Scotty. I'm in that camp right there. I've always been. And, and I, um, I torture my kids all the time with sci-fi and things like that. And we, we read like three and five. So reading them sci-fi books is, um, putting them to sleep. So that's good. But, um, I, I'm all, I, I nerd out on that stuff. Yeah. Same. All right. Well, thank you, Willie, so much. What a fun conversation. Um, 
always fantastic a to have you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so and, LA and Carolyn. Yeah. Thanks to our listeners for being here. Please visit our show notes for links to the topics that we discussed today. And please share this episode with your friends on social and don't forget to smash that like button and we will see you next week on Tech Transforms. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms. Please post a review, share this episode and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.